Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's stand, hold our Bibles up. Those of you at home, you can do the same thing. This confession, listen, your words are powerful. So when we do this, it's not just a ritual. It's reminding ourselves of truth. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, I want to welcome all of you who are here for the first time, those of you watching online. I also want to make a statement pretty regularly just to remind us of how important it is for our children to experience what you're experiencing. Um, there was a season that we, we had the children immediately checked in, and uh, I did research some years ago, and uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to me as I researched as many races as I could, people that had grown up in different cultures from different races, and, and uh, what really stood out to me, uh, a couple of my really good friends were worship leaders in, in Austin, Texas, and of the African-American worship leaders, and I said, you know, it's always interested me how uh, the community of, of African-American churches seems so strong to me, and I, I've always admired the strength of, of family, and, and, uh, and I said, so tell me about it, and they said, well, when we were kids, and they were worship leaders now, they said we were required to go in and worship with our parents, and we did not act up. But it fed them into being, they, had a, they have a love for the church. My concern with children today is they really are not being introduced to the church. They're being introduced to a portion of the church. And that they need this experience so that when they get older, say, I remember worshiping with my mom and dad. And I remember getting hit on the head several times in that process. They learn to respect for worship. So for those of you that are trying to dump your kids, which I know none of you here are, 930 there are some people, but if you're looking just to dump your kids and get away from them, that's not what this is all about. This is about introducing our children to a full-blown church worship experience so that they get older, they're not going to be freaked out when they come in and see a bunch of people worshiping going, I've never done this before. So please understand, we're hearing very positive remarks about this and the impact is being very strong. So I want to thank you for making this transition with us. Uh, and, and honestly, if anybody didn't like it, I just have to say, you know, I think this is what's best for our children because we're losing a generation, folks. And I don't want to lose them and think that they're just a fragmented part of the church. They are the church. And uh, so go with us on it, and, and your kids will be able to You'll be able to talk to them when you get home and instruct them and so on and so forth. So anyway, I've been doing a series entitled The Chosen, and uh, 
Uh, last week, I talked about three things. I'm going to just kind of refresh your memory on those because uh, so often we, we feel like we're chosen for different reasons. Like, for instance, when you choose to be around certain people, I'll get more specific. Uh, typically, when those of you who have, are in a relationship and you have a spouse, um, the very first thing that caused you to want to choose that spouse was not their IQ. Let me step it up. <laughs> when you walked in the room, you didn't go around and go, okay, how smart are you? No, you looked and went, uh-huh. Yeah, she's all that and a little bit more. And you looked at him and thought, I think I could make him into a little bit more. <laughs> and <laughs> so, but, but you chose based on what you saw. You, you, it wasn't what you thought, it wasn't what you felt, it was what you saw. And as a result of that, uh, we are so driven to choose based on shallow or surface things in our relationship world. As a result, I think sometimes we kind of maybe think God chooses based on a similar criteria. That I'm skilled, I'm... I'm I look good, and, and all of a sudden we start measuring why God would choose us. And if we're not careful, we don't think we're worthy of being chosen. And when I use the word worthy, I use it carefully, cautiously. Technically, we wouldn't be worthy, but we're made worthy because of Jesus. And Jesus did not choose us because of our skill set, our looks, our appearance, what we have to offer Jesus chose you and he chose me because of his love for us, his desire for fellowship, his desire to be around his creation. And, and it's so absolutely important that we grasp this. Because if somebody were to ask me why uh, God loves us so much, it, it's, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It just says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that all believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God is desirous. He wants us to receive him, to be chosen by him and accept that chosenness. And if you have a poor opinion of yourself and you're insecure and you can't imagine why anybody would choose you because you've been told your whole life by teachers, maybe the family culture you grew up in that, that you know, you're, you're just not smart, you're not beautiful, you're not this. And people will tell you all the things you're not, but the Bible tells us all the things that you are. You're the apple of his eye. You're chosen by him. God loves you. Well, I'm not good enough, but God is great enough to overcome you're not good enough. And none of us are good enough. None of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in the midst of our great sin, God chose us anyway. Now, that's how much God loves us, is that he chooses us in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. And so he came into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. And so when you think God is not happy with you, and so many people humanize God, and, and they, 
make him like us instead of us like him. And, and how could God ever love someone like me? And look at all the things I've done. And look at all the things I haven't done that I should have done. And, and we play those things out day in and day out. It's like the minute you wake up in the morning, the devil starts pushing play, reminding you of all the dumb things that we've done. And like God certainly couldn't choose somebody like me. Yeah, he can, and he did. And you are chosen. Now, whether you've accepted that chosenness or not, that may be a different story, but you are chosen by God. He wants you. He desires you. And so I, then the second thing I talked about, well, what do I do with the why? Well, it's really simple, and it's not rocket science at all. First off, he tells us to love one another. That's what we do. And he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So what do I do? Wherever I am, I serve. The happiest people in the world are people who serve other people. If you're just self-absorbed and selfish, I'm not even saying I don't love you. I'm not saying God doesn't love you, but you don't love you. Because if you really loved you, you would want other people to experience the love that you possess. It's, it's got to be given away. It drives us and motivates us. So you, we do what we can do. And the third thing is we do it wherever we are. Now, I believe there is a where place for you. I believe everything in me that if I read the Bible correctly, when he told Elijah, he said, go to the brook Kareth and you'll drink from the stream and a raven will feed you. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if God said that to me, I'm thinking, that's bird flu. I've got a nasty raven bringing me food to eat, and I'm drinking from a brook, which may not be bad then, but it probably would be now. But I'm still thinking to myself, that was the where that Elijah was going to experience God. I believe we have a where place where we experience God. And sometimes, listen to me, that where place is not attractive. Sometimes God puts us in places or allows us to be in places where our focus has to be on him because the where is not a great experience, okay? So I tell people, I've told people for years as a pastor, look, if this is not where God wants you, then find where God wants you. That's important. Now, you can say, well, I just felt released from pastor to leave Mosaic. Well, you always have that privilege of leaving whatever. But what if I irritate you in a way that you're kind of like a pearl? We're just rubbing things until you get down to the beauty. And if, I believe sometimes if we don't have people in our lives that rough us up a little bit, sharpen us, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. If you're not around people that are making you better and sharper, you might want to ask yourself the question, then why am I around them? If you're not making them sharper, they're not making you sharper, then you have to ask yourself the question, is this just my flesh? Because there are some really fun people who are going to hell. And, and they may not be intentionally trying to get you ticketed to go with them, but you have to ask yourself the question, is this just feeding my flesh? Or is this feeding my spirit and my soul? Am I better having been around them? Or am I weaker every time I get around them? Because there are people who will drag you down. There are people who will make you irritated and frustrated. And you don't even realize it until somebody that really loves you tells you, why are you being this way? 
Every time you're around that person, you come back with a bad attitude. And some of y'all got kids doing this, and you're blaming your kid. You're the one that needs to tell your kid, that ain't the company. We keep it in this house. And here's the comeback. But I don't want to offend anybody. You need to be a little more offensive. You need to draw some lines. And in a politically correct world, the only people who can hate are people who are liberals. Let a Christian stand up and take a position where you're just a hater. No, I just have an opinion like you. Why can't I share mine? If you're a liberal, you'll love me. But I'm done with this. I can't say what I want to say because I'm a Christian. And if I say something that opposes your... I mean, your... I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm not going to get it. And the reality is I'm not living my life for you. I'm living my life for Christ. And when Jesus looked at Pharisees, he wasn't always politically correct. Try Matthew 23, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed separate. Get her done, Jesus. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't like them, and he wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to provoke them to get rid of the junk that was holding them down. The religious habits that meant nothing to their growth. And we got churches all across America. I'm not going to tickle your fancy. The problem is we have no strong voices that say stuff. Speak the truth in love, the Bible says. I'm speaking with a lot of love right now. Because the problem in our country is different than what you're hearing on television. Okay, I'll try to wrap it up. There's a where in your life. And what I have found, some of my wheres I didn't like. But I knew I was where I was supposed to be because God was strengthening my resolve by opposing my opinion. I'm okay with people being different than me. This is last week. I was having some work done at my house. And, and uh, uh, Jose was there, and he, I'd never met him before. He was working on another house in the neighborhood, and I just went, and I said, I need some work done. Can you do it? He said, yeah. And so he comes over and starts looking at it, really nice guy. But he, he said, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm thinking, why do you have to ask me that? <laughs> Everything in me wanted to say, well, I'm a behavior modification therapist. Which would have been true, but it's not a real title. That's not what I'm, I'm a pastor. So I looked at him, and I went, oh, here we go. I'm thinking, can I tell you after you do the job? Because if you don't like pastors, it's going to be bad. And, and so he said, I said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, well, I don't like church. You know what my response was? I said, I don't like it all the time either. Because I know what he's thinking. He said, I'll get him. I thought, you ain't going to get me because there are times I don't like it either. I'm standing up here preaching, looking at some of y'all, looking at me like a cow to Newgate. Say something that'll change my life, Pastor. Do it. I dare you to try to help me. And so I said, well, I said, you know, he said, but then he quickly said, but, but I like God. And I said, well, that's a good start. And I said, you know, let me just say this. I said, 
most pastors would say, you know, you, you go to church, you, you, it'll help you go to heaven. It really doesn't. I mean, it, it, that's not what this is about. I said, so let me phrase it this way, and for all of you liberal gun haters, you're going to hate this analogy. Quite frankly, guns are not the problem. People are. Anyway, so <laughs> sin is, and so all of that. So anyway, so I said, well, let me just put it this way, Jose. I said, let's look at church this way. I said, if I gave you a gun and it's brand new, and it's got a clip in it, but it doesn't have any ammunition. It's still a gun, but it's not going to help you. I said, church is kind of the same way. I said, when people come to church, all I'm doing is putting bullets in their clip. I said, you may be a Christian and possess all that Christ has, but you ain't shooting nothing. And I said, so I get it. I said, my job's not to change you. My job's not to fix anybody. My job is just to load you down with information that you can put in your gun and hopefully it fits. And I said, most Christians are walking around without any ammunition. They go, I'm a Christian. I don't have anything to say or shoot, but I'm a Christian. I'm just doing everything I can today to see if you're still here. So... So the point is that we have this great debate going on in the world, and, and really the bottom line is, folks, it's okay to disagree if you disagree in love. I, I, have, I love everybody. I, I really, almost everybody. I have to really be careful. There are people I'm really working on loving. And so, but, but the point is we get sideways with people who disagree, and, and if if you don't agree with certain people, they're going to hate on you. Look, I don't care if you agree with me or not. I'm going to love you. And, and you know what? There are conversations that don't need to be had. If somebody doesn't want to have that conversation because they don't, I want to grow. I love people who disagree with me because you make me better. Now, I may not change my mind and agree with what you're saying, but you challenge me to think about what I believe and, and to really say, is this really right? See, most of us don't want to challenge our belief system. And you have to challenge your belief system regularly. I'm a different person now than I was 30 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm a totally different person than I was 10 years ago. And let me tell you why. It wasn't because everything went my way, but the adversity that came my way caused me to think differently and make me become a better person. And it will always irritate people who want you to not have a good life. That's the reason they hate you, because you're calm, you're polite, you're loving, you're caring. And people that don't know how to deal with love will always escalate and, and get more angry. And that's okay, but don't go with them. You remember, you're chosen not because you're intelligent or brilliant. You're chosen because of the love of God. And you know what? You can have a horrible, I always love Sundays because they follow Saturday nights. I think it's interesting to me that the party night of the week comes right before the celebration of Christ. And, and, you know, I've always said if we don't have a few people with a hangover on Sunday, we're probably doing the wrong thing. I want people dragging in. I told you guys years ago, my first church, there was a, a young lady in her early 20s, and her mom and dad went to a church I used to be on staff at, so it was in another city. And so they wanted her to come to church, and I guess they must have been helping her. And every Sunday morning, she would come, and she had the worst hangover, 
You could tell because she was asleep on the second row. And, and, and I thought, why would anybody that's having a hangover be sleeping on the second row? Sit in the back. It was like God was like, I'm like going, help me out here. I'm trying to build a church. And, and so I, I realized it was, and eventually, let me tell you, her life totally transformed. She got married. She got kids. She's serving the Lord. But we just said, you know what? We're not going to get mad at you. And, you know, if you go to a church, and some churches won't even let you in if you have the smell of Listerine on your breath. But we have decided that the best way to win people is to love people. And so wherever you are, love people. And if you say, well, I'm not where I want to be, okay, then say, God, show me where I'm going to be most effective in life. Show me. And you know what? Like I said, if, if you go to a church and you agree with everything the pastor says, you may be in the wrong church. I just set myself up. I'm not asking you to agree with them, but I am asking everything I say. I hope in some way there's a little bit of provocation because the Bible tells us that we are to provoke one another. Now, not be mean. Some people just do it to be mean. I don't provoke you to be mean. I just want you to think. What are you going to do when somebody comes up to you that disagrees with you and, and, and you say, well, I'm chosen, and you wear I'm chosen like a badge? That's not what it's about. Realizing you're chosen elevates your love it shouldn't elevate your antagonism you ought to realize i'm chosen and i'm loved i want to pass that on to other people john 13 by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another not if you prophesy not if you sing well not if you preach well not if you're skilled, not if you can dunk, not if you can kick a field goal, not if you can throw a touchdown pass. If you love one another. And folks, I'm going to tell you, everybody can love. Everybody can love. Not everybody can dunk. But everybody can love. That's how come... Our, our motto here, mission statement, whatever you want to call it, is to create a culture of love, grace, and mercy. Love never fails. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, you know, most of the time, people don't have to be told what they're doing wrong. We know what we're doing wrong. So when you tell somebody, you're just confirming what they already know. But if you love someone who's being stupid... They will be totally confused. <laughs> they will start looking for the hook real quickly. John chapter 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Hold it. Jesus said, now go bear fruit because I chose you to bear fruit. I've chosen everyone to bear fruit and fruit that will last most people want all the gifts and they want to be impressive, but there's nothing as impressive as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing as impressive as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. There's nothing more impressive to me than people who walk in those things. 
I remember the day I wanted to operate in all the power gifts and miracles and healings. And, and all those things are wonderful things. But the reality is, when you love someone for a really long time, in the midst of their worst days, and all the things that they do wrong, that is the most Christ-like thing we can do. So, our past is often the greatest enemy of that acceptance or that chosenness. Our past. Most of us have a past. Some of you don't think you do because your mother convinced you you were like, just precious. You were never any problems. Yeah, you were. But some of you weren't as bad as other people. But the fact is, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all sinners. So here's the thing. Your past, if you meditate on your past, it will keep you from your future. And, and it will keep you from operating in the chosenness. If you just look at King David, as much as we all admire it, this was, David was called a man after God's own heart. This is how David was known, humble man after God's own heart. And yet David commits adultery, Bathsheba gets pregnant, his son dies, David goes into grieving and mourning. His servants are watching him night and day. And then one day, when he finds out his son dies, he gets up because he's believing God that he'll live. But he dies. David gets up and showers and begins to move on. In other words, he says, I'm not living in those past mistakes. And I'm not letting anybody put me back there. His servants were shocked. And he said, he cannot come back to me but I can go to him. David understand, understood heaven. And all of us, if we're not careful, will hang on to the things we've done poorly. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you, the devil makes sure that people will remember your past. And you know what? What I tell people, they talk about mine, I say, you know what, that's my story, it's not yours, it's copywritten, so shut up. course I say shut up in the name of Jesus you know nobody needs to remind me of my past nobody needs to remind you of your past people need to remind you that there's a hope and a future before you and God is waiting on you to move toward that you're going to make more mistakes in the future and if you don't learn how to accept who you are now you will never be able to accept the fact that God loves you so much that he has wiped it away. He said, I've separated your sins as far as the east from, is from the west. They'll never meet again. If you stop bringing them up, hell will freeze over. Because that's all Satan has, lies, deception. How could you be chosen? You're not good enough. You're right, I'm not good enough. That's why I'm really extremely thankful that God didn't look and say, well, yeah, We'll put your name in the lottery, but probably not going to win. Our pride is the next thing, and it's an enemy of our future. Here's what pride says. Pride says, I'll work it out myself. I got this. And men, we're worse than women. Okay, women, that should have been hallelujah, praise God. We have such pride that we, we, you know, men don't even say when they're hurt or injured, you know, 
and, and they just walk around like it's okay and you're dying, you know, and you don't want to tell anybody, I got this, I got this. Yeah, Junior, you don't have this. I got this. No, you don't have it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Go tell somebody. Call people. Pride says I'm keeping this to myself. Pride keeps us from blessing. Pride keeps us from miracles. Pride keeps us. I got this. Don't need no help. Or I'm ashamed that I need help. I want to prove to others I'm good. All these things will keep you from the future God has for you, the chosen future. And you didn't get there because you were good and skilled and you could handle it yourself. We're called to call on the name of God. And then lastly, the people that you are around will be critical to the destiny you hope for. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And that, that we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And so what happens, I remember when I, I first got saved, I went to this, this denominational church, and it was kind of a weird place. And uh, I wasn't used to people calling me brother. I mean, my mama didn't, my, my birth certificate doesn't say Brother Mark Anthony Crow. It just says Mark Anthony Crow. So they, I'd walk into the church and say, hey, Brother Mark. And I'd say, oh, God. <laughs> it just sounded so religious to me. I didn't want to be brother. I just wanted to be Mark. And I'd come out of the world, so I was used to being called all kinds of other things that weren't flattering. But when we realize the people we're around will affect the future that, that we have, then we have to be careful with that. And this is when you're chosen. It doesn't make you better. When I got born again, I was running with a crowd that was not good. And when I say not good, it wasn't that they really weren't good people. They just weren't doing good things. And so I was a part of that crowd. So when I got born again, I knew that if I didn't change my surroundings and change my friends, that I probably wouldn't be living for Jesus very long because there were more of them than me. I changed my phone number, changed my address. I got away from the group. And, and over the years, finally, I, I ran into some of them over time because we, we lived on the west side of Tulsa. We were called River Rats. We, we was redneck, man. I'm telling you, it was redneck. When you ride horses to school to enroll, you are redneck. And so I... I separated myself, and when I ran into him, I said, look, guys, I just want you to know. They said, well, what are you up to? How are you doing? I said, well, I just want you guys to know here's what's happened in my life, and, and, and I didn't separate from you for, because you were bad people. I separated you because I was, from you because I was a weak person, and I said I knew I wouldn't be able to live the life I wanted to live being around you, and please don't take that wrong. This is on me. This is not your fault. It, it, it was mine, and I knew I had to get away from that. And so people that around you they're watching they're watching they're watching there was an old lady that lived in a neighborhood and the houses were very close together and she was a devout christian she was poor and she just was so had to believe god all the time for everything and so she'd go out on her porch in the morning she'd pray she'd say her prayers not knowing if anybody was listening she didn't care said oh lord i want to thank you for another day but father you know i don't have any groceries and i'm just asking you lord to to bring me some food and so she goes in the house, sleeps, wakes up the next morning without realizing 
that, that anybody was listening. But she didn't know there was a neighbor that was always listening. He hated God. Hated God. And, and so, but he was hearing her every day. So the next morning she comes out on the porch and there's groceries. And she looks around and she just says, Lord, thank you so much for the groceries that you brought me. The man pops out and he said, God didn't bring those to you. I did. She looked at heaven and she said, God, thank you. And you made the devil deliver them. People are watching, people are listening, and they want to see how you're going to respond. She never lost it. You don't have to lose it. You have to realize God loves you. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did last week. I don't know what you did last month. But God does, and let me tell you, I don't say that to scare you. I say that to let you know he said I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. There'll be others that will walk out on you. There'll be others that quit on you. There'll be others who judge you. But God will never do those things. When you make your worst mistake, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what I believe. And I'm not saying this so you can keep on pressing into sin. (laughs) But it's like when you sin and it continues to increase, it's like God gets closer to you and he wraps his arms around you and he says, I'm, I'm going to be here every step of the way. If you're going through hell, I'm going through hell with you. I'm not letting you go. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not quitting on you. I'm going to hold you through your hell, and you're going to know at the end of it, I'm going to be there waiting for you. Never quit, because God never will. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Thank you, God, for never quitting on us. Thank you, Lord, that you love everyone listening to this message, watching this message. It doesn't matter what they've done. You love them because you are love. I'm not saying you approve of what they've done, but you love them. You chose them to be born for such a time as this. You have expectation of greatness for everyone watching, everyone listening. You have expectation that their life is going to be blessed because they're going to turn to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me so that those watching online will hear your voices and they will feel the liberty to pray with you. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. And I declare, I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, I'm going to ask you to text the word SAVED, you see it on the screen, to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED. We'll pray for you. If you're in-house, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. I'd like to ask you to just go over and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. Nobody's watching you. People are exiting. You're going over. And some of you just need prayer for a job. You need prayer for other reasons. It's not just for people getting saved. So it's not like you're going to be stand out like a light. Uh, I I always want people to know we're not here uh, to embarrass you. We're here to celebrate you. And so please take advantage of this prayer team in just a moment.
Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.